Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, that was the tragedy. That was the great tragedy over Jerusalem that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to Jerusalem and he looked on it, he cried. He wept loudly, it says, very loudly. He, he, people heard him as he was weeping in Luke 19, 41 through 44, when it says, when he was come near, he beheld the city. We're talking about Jerusalem. He beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, At least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they're hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee about, keep thee on every side. They shall lay thee even to the ground, thy children within thee. They shall not leave thee in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. See, that's a tragedy. See, it was all a matter of them not knowing what he called thy day, what he called the things that belong to thy peace, what he called the time of thy visitation. See, and he lamented over their refusal to know. He said, they didn't want to know. He said, if thou hadst known. See, they didn't know because they didn't want to know. I remember one time when I was in the Philippines, a Filipino pastor came to me, very troubled look on his face. He said, I met my first Jewish person. I said, well, how was that? He said, I'm, he's very disturbed. I said, why? And he said, well, I gave him the gospel. And the man looked me in the eye and said, I'd rather go to hell than believe in Jesus Christ. Then when Jesus Christ, when the Lord Jesus Christ says, even thou, he said, if thou hadst known, even thou, see, he's emphasizing the individuality of it all. See, the gospel is all about the response of the individual, not the group. It's about the response of the individual. God sees each person as an individual, not as a group. And that's why Romans 10, 9, it really emphasizes this when it says that if thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Because every person's an individual Eventually, every person is going to find themselves in the situation of Philippians 2.11 where it says every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. See? Now, we need to think about this. We need to really let this settle us in and think about every person that we know. Every person that we know and let it sink. There's John. John's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's Sally. 
Sally's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Which is why the Lord Jesus Christ emphasizes this one word when he spoke about those who would either confess him or deny him in Matthew 10, 32 through 33, where he says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him shall I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. In Luke 12, 8 through 9, which is a similar passage, he says, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. See all these words, him, he, they emphasize the individuality of it all. Every person makes his own decision for or against the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ calls to every individual. And for this reason, we can see the Lord Jesus Christ addressing Jerusalem with these words, if thou hadst known, so it's like this, if thou hadst known, even thou, as you can see him pointing out this person or that person, even thou, he's to see, see what it is, is he's got two targets. The Lord Jesus Christ has two targets in his message. The first target, he said to the group known as the thou, if thou hadst known, to the group known as the city of Jerusalem, if thou hadst known, and then his second target is the individual within that group. The individual within the larger group is even thou, even you, even you. He's looking at like this. See the pattern of if thou hadst known and even thou with the two targets of the message. This two targets, if thou hadst known, even thou are the two targets within a church service. They're the two targets within a Bible study group. They're the two targets within an evangelistic crusade. See, there's the message of the, the group target, which is the target which is known as if thou hadst known. That's the target there, the group target. Within that, there's the even thou target. That's the target of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit singles out one person in the group. And that person says, why is that speaker speaking to me? Why is he pointing his finger at me? Sorry, Jose. (laughs) So why is he doing that directly to me? That's what the Holy Spirit does. See, standing and weeping before Jerusalem, he's lamenting, uh, what Jerusalem, as the capital of the Jewish people, did not know. They didn't know. He cries out because they didn't know. They didn't know that their day when God's only rescue from their sin and God's only rescue from their judgment was standing right there in front of them in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't know. They didn't want to know. And he wept because they didn't know. They didn't know when God was visiting them. And he wept because they refused to know the time when God visited them. He cried. He cried because they didn't know what belonged to their peace. See, God devises this salvation plan to bring man peace with God. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he funnels God from heaven. He funnels this peace plan, this peace with God plan through the Lord Jesus Christ. He funnels it down first to the Jewish people. And God intended that the Jewish people would then carry it to the rest of the world, his peace plan through the Lord Jesus Christ. But because God funneled to the Jewish people his peace plan through the Lord Jesus Christ, it belonged to their peace. It belonged to their peace, but they rejected it. They rejected God's peace plan through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he cried because they refused to know God's peace plan through the Lord Jesus Christ, that it belonged to them first. 
And then he wept over the consequences of this refusal to know God's peace plan through the Lord Jesus Christ. And those consequences were God hiding it all from their eyes. It's like a judicial blindness. He wept over the Jewish people because they didn't have Ruth's nah spirit. They didn't have Ruth's now spirit. Let me now go to the field. By using that word, she was acting with a sense of immediate urgency. She said, let me now go to the field. See, the reason the Lord Jesus Christ reaps over Jerusalem is because they didn't have that spirit, that not spirit of, of wanting to come to the Savior with the same individual urgency that Ruth had. She wanted to go to the field. It's remarkable that a foreign gal who came into a people that she didn't know at all and that she would tell her mother-in-law for the first time with it, that she wanted to go out there and venture out alone, and she was sure. She says, I'm sure I'm going to find a landowner who would have grace for me. That's something. So you say, well, what, what's with Ruth? Where does she get all this boldness? How does she have this boldness to tell Naomi that she's sure that she's going to find a gracious landowner? Where does that come from? I mean, why was Ruth so confidently assured that, the, that there's, there's a landowner out there who would show grace to her. She doesn't know this people. It's a foreign people to her. She doesn't know. But the answer to those questions about how she had that confidence, it gives us a key for ourselves of how we can go into a world that's hostile against God and have assurance we're going to find grace. We will find grace. See, Ruth had confidence that she would find a, a landowner to show her grace because she knew that she met the criteria for finding grace. And King Solomon said what the criteria was. And if you like, please turn to it. Proverbs 16, 7. Proverbs 16, 7. I don't ask you to turn to very much. It's not such a hardship. <laughs> so it's not so bad. Proverbs 16, 7. Solomon said what the criteria were. He says this. And I want you to look at this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. See, she knew the truth of this, of Proverbs 16, 7. She, Ruth had made the truth of this verse. She, she didn't read it when a man's ways please the Lord. She, she read when a woman's ways please the Lord. He maketh even her enemies be, be at peace with her. And, and she, in fact, she didn't even read it that way. She read it this way. When Ruth's ways please the Lord, he maketh even Ruth's enemies to be at peace with her. And so now, that's personalizing. That's what she did. I mean, let, let, let's, let's say it again. Let's, let's read this verse. But you put your name in there. You put your name in there for a man's and your name in there for hers. So, you know, I'm going to read it. When Tom's ways please the Lord, he maketh even Tom's enemies to be at peace with him. That makes me smile. Okay, now, you read it. Let's read it together. You ready? When... Tom's ways please the Lord. He maketh even Tom's enemies to be at peace with him. Okay. See? See? And that's the way she read it. That's the way we're to claim it. She knew her ways had pleased the Lord. And so she knew that God would make even her enemies to be at peace with her. So the question is, what were Ruth's ways that pleased the Lord? What were her ways that pleased the Lord? It's a good question for us. Same question for us. What, what ways can we have that will please the Lord? What can we do to please the Lord? See, what, Ruth, what did Ruth do that pleased the Lord? David told us. David's told us some of the ways. Psalm 69, 29-31. He said, I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise 
the name of God with the song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hooves. See, first David says, one way that pleases the Lord is when we say, let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. That pleases God. When a person trusts in God's salvation to lift him up out of his sin, out of the, that pleases God. That makes God happy. It makes him smile, rejoicing in heaven. God's salvation is Jehovah Jesus. So when a person trusts in Jehovah Jesus to save him from his sin, makes God happy. It pleases God. Ruth had done that. Ruth trusted in God's salvation. She told Naomi that. She said she put her trust in God's salvation in Ruth 1.16 when she said, Thy God is my God. Thy God is my God. See, Ruth's ways were to trust Jehovah Jesus, save her from her sins, and for every need in her life. And that's the way. Second, David said, it pleases God when a person praises the name of God, when a person magnifies God with thanksgiving. Ruth had praised and magnified God with thanksgiving. That same verse, she told Naomi, she said, you know what, I am happy to go with you, Naomi, to the people of God. I am happy, Naomi, to make the people of God my people. I am happy, Naomi, to live with the people of God. I am happy to die with the people of God. So she wanted to be with the people of God. So she could look at them and she could say, Praise the Lord for protecting and keeping the people of God. Praise the Lord for revealing his truths to the people of God. The big difference between Naomi and Ruth, Naomi complains, Ruth doesn't complain. We read about the book of Ruth has got, unfortunately, I'm sure Naomi says, can we just remove that part? But it's there because it was true. Naomi was complaining, but Ruth is not complaining. Ruth is thankful. She's praising and that pleases God. Look at Ruth, how much she sacrificed for God in Ruth 1, 16 through 17. Ruth the Moabite gave up as a sacrifice for God, what? Her Moabite religion, she gave that up for God. As a sacrifice, Ruth gave up her Moabite country for God. As a sacrifice, Ruth gave up her Moabite people for God. As a sacrifice, Ruth gave up her Moabite family for God. As a sacrifice, Ruth gave up her Moabite house, family house, for God. As a sacrifice, Ruth gave up her Moabite burying place for God. And God looked at all those sacrifices that Ruth had made for God, and he says, that pleases me. She pleased God. See, Ruth, she had her eyes wide open for God's opportunity to be fruitful in every good work. Ruth's eyes are wide open. She sees God's opportunity. She saw that her mother-in-law, Naomi, had lost her husband and had no one to take care of her. And she says, you know what? Naomi needs someone to take care of her. But to me, to be Naomi's life's companion, that's a good, I'll be fruitful in every good work in that. That's a good opportunity to be fruitful in every good work. I'll go and take care of her for the rest of my life. See? That's a good work that pleased God. See, Ruth's eyes were wide open, and she saw her mother-in-law. She says, my mother-in-law, she complains a lot. <laughs> and she's depressed, and she's discouraged. And Ruth says, you know what my mother-in-law needs? An encourager. She needs an encourager. And you know what? I see that's my opportunity to become Naomi's encourager. I'll do that. I'll be a constant encouragement to Naomi. That was a good word that Ruth had, it, and that pleased God. 
And second, in Colossians 1.10, it tells us that we please God when we are increasing in the knowledge of God. When we read our Bibles and we increase in the knowledge of God, that pleases God. When we finished our Bible reading in the morning and close our Bible and then say, let's see now, what did I just learn? Okay, I learned something that increased my knowledge of God. That pleases God. See, when we stay awake in church, like right now, (laughs) and we're attentive, and we increase our knowledge of God so that we go walk out of those two doors this morning, and we can say, I increased my knowledge of God today by this. That pleases God. What does not please God is to not increase the knowledge of God. It doesn't please God when a person says, I've been a Christian for a long time, I know all the verses, I've memorized them all, I know all the doctrines, you know, I have the knowledge of God, I've reached the end of the internet, you know, <laughs> and I don't need to increase in the knowledge of God. Because increasing the knowledge of God, that's for new believers, those are for the kids upstairs in the Sunday school class, it's not for me, I know all about God. That doesn't please God. Because it's not increasing in the knowledge of God. No longer how long we've been a Christian, And in the church, or in the Bible, we should come to the Bible and the church like a little child saying, I need to learn today. I need to to increase my knowledge of God. That pleases God. See, by living in Naomi's house, Ruth had increased her knowledge of God to the point where she said in Ruth 1.16, Thy God is my God. That pleased God. See, by Ruth committing herself to live with the people and to become a part of the people of God so that she could increase her knowledge of God, that pleased God. And the book of Colossians tells us this, that these are the ways. Now, the book of Colossians also tells us another way to please God, where it says in Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing Unto the Lord. I see all the kids that did it one and knew right away I got that one wrong. But when children obey their parents, that pleases God well. God's pleased when children obey their parents. When children obey from the heart, not because they have to, I have to obey my parents, but because they want to obey their parents, that pleases the Lord. Now, you might be saying, oh, yeah, sure, you know, you bring that little boy over here, and I'm going to pat him on the top of the head or that little girl and say, now, that's right. You be sure to obey your parents. That pleases God. And inside, you're thinking, that doesn't apply to me because it says children. God calls us children. He calls us children. And look at Ruth. Naomi called her my daughter. And so what do we see Ruth doing in Ruth 2.2? When it says, and Ruth the Moabite has said unto Naomi, let, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him. What is she doing there? She's asking her mother-in-law for permission to go like a child would ask her mother for permission to go do this. And so she has committed herself to obey her mother-in-law. And so what do we see Naomi doing in that verse? Did Naomi say, oh, Ruth, you're a grown woman already. Don't come and ask me, I'll stop it. She didn't do that. She didn't say that at all. The verse says, and she said unto her, go, my daughter. See, Ruth obeyed her mother-in-law and the Lord. That pleased the Lord. It pleased God. 
So in all these ways, Ruth's ways please the Lord. And therefore, Ruth can claim the promise of Proverbs 16, 7, that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's the same promise that God made to the remnant of Israel who trusted in Jehovah Jesus in Jeremiah 15, 11, where the Lord said, Verily it shall be well with thy remnant. Verily I will cause the enemy to entreat thee well in the time of evil, in the time of affliction. So even when there was great evil going on, the remnant, he said, they'd be treated well by the enemies. That's what God does. He changes the hearts. Because Ruth knew, she knew her ways would please the Lord. She was convinced in her heart that of Romans 8.31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? She'd say that. She said, if God's for me, what landowner is going to be against me? And her time in history, if Ruth knew that part of the truth of Romans 8.31 to be true, how much more do we know? Because we know so much more. We know the following verses that she didn't know, which is, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely with us, freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who's going to separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, peril, sword? In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. He says, I'm persuaded. Nothing. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, nor cancer, shall be able to separate us from the love. He didn't say nor cancer. I added that. <laughs> shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if Ruth's here this morning, she'd say, Amen. That's what she said. She said, amen, I knew that God was for me. Now, I never even saw God give us, spare not his own son, but deliver him us, uh, for us all. She said this morning, God was for me. God is for you. Nothing's able to separate us from the love of God. She said that. Notice the end of verse two where it says, and she said unto her, go my daughter. Now who's just she and who's the her? Well, she obviously is Naomi and the her is Ruth. So what did Naomi say to Ruth? She says, go my daughter. Now, how is Ruth identified at the beginning of verse two? Ruth the Moabitess? Naomi the Jewess? Is speaking to Ruth the Moabitess? Hey, Naomi, who you calling daughter? <laughs> Why is she saying this? Go my daughter. Naomi, what are you, who are you calling? Naomi the Jewess? You calling Ruth the Moabitess your daughter? Naomi says, yes. She says, yes, I'm a Jewess. And I'm calling Ruth the Moabitess my daughter. Because when Ruth's ways please the Lord, I call her my daughter. See, Naomi would say, I don't care what her birth certificate says, that she was born in Moab, and that her parent, mother and father were Moabite parents. I don't care. I'm her spiritual mother. And that makes her my daughter. And when the question came up as to who is the brother and the sister and the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, immaculate or not immaculate, he answers and stretches out his hand over his followers, and it's recorded in Matthew 12, 48, where it says, but he answered and said unto him that told him, who's my mother and who's my brethren? And he stretched forth his hands toward his disciples and said, behold, my mother and brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. 
In essence, the Lord Jesus is saying, I agree with Ruth. I agree with Naomi, the Jewess. I agree with her, who called Ruth, the Moabitess, my daughter. When a man's or a woman's ways please the Lord, the same is my brother and sister and mother. So today, let's resolve that our ways are going to please the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Ruth and the example that she is to us. Thank you for the challenge that she is to us, Lord. May we be like Ruth the Moabitess. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.